we are now uh, firmly in the, into the season, uh, sometimes called Trinity Tide. It's, um, or maybe you know it as ordinary time. And as a church, we've gone through the Christian year, beginning with Advent, the longing for Jesus to, to come to this earth, looking to his coming again. We've done uh, Christmas, uh, Epiphany. We've, been, we've learned the life of Jesus, the stories. We enter the Lenten season, a season of fasting. And then, of course, his crucifixion. Easter has come. The risen Jesus has come back to new life. And then not too long ago, we had uh, Sunday at Pentecost, or the Holy Spirit, God's very spirit, the spirit of Jesus given to the church, empowered to do God's work in this world. We had a baptism. It was a wonderful Sunday. And so now we're in this season after Pentecost, and we have to be asking the question, well, now what? Right? We have the Holy Spirit. Now what do we do? And so that's what we're going to be uh, exploring the next few Sundays together as a church. Now we had a, a powerful a word from Jesus of what it means to be sent by him to proclaim his good news. And it's, uh, well, some of it is pretty terrifying, actually. It's pretty intense. Um, and that's what we're going to be unpacking in the sort of the weeks to come. But before we do that, before we talk about what it means to share our faith, maybe how to do that, the nature of evangelism, before we do the kind of the outside practical work, I think we need to start in here. How are our hearts doing? Because, sorry, Jane, could you uh, close the door? <laughs> I see the little stand there. Thank you. Um, I've been thinking about this week and not only the conversations that I've been having with uh, some friends, old and new friends. Um, a lot of my time is dedicated to spending time with um, locals who maybe don't know Jesus or maybe have known Jesus, but have a lot of question marks. And when we come in through these doors, each one of us brings our life into the room. And our lives are complicated because our lives are marked with um, loss, with hurt, with suffering. And if you live long enough, then they're also marked with the pain of death, death of loved ones. And death is that door from which no one seems to come back. You just miss somebody and you just miss them forever, right? So that's, that's the lives that we hold. You know, I go. And so what does it mean to trust Jesus, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, go out there in power to share the message of Jesus, and then our hearts are wounded. They're hurting, right? That's what, we, that's what we heard today as Jane read for us the Old Testament reading in Genesis of Sarah. You may be familiar with the story. Abraham and Sarah were called by God to leave their homes. <coughs> they were called to live in the wilderness, to trust God. And they were promised by God that one day, your children will be near infinite. More children than the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. You're going to have a large family. It's going to be a blessing to you. 
And yet Abraham and Sarah, live up, living out their natural lives, coming to maybe their 90s, I think. Maybe you know the age, but you know, they've gone their whole life. It hasn't occurred, this promise of God. As I was reflecting on this story, I was thinking of dear friends of mine. Uh, the first Bible study that I was ever part of years ago now. Um, two dear friends who uh, loved me with the love of Jesus. They were so patient with me, so kind, and I was hurting. They were there to help me. And I didn't have housing to let me live in, their, in, the, in the room in their home. And they just wanted children so desperately. It just wasn't happening. A decade went by. They, just, they did everything. It couldn't occur, and I, I couldn't imagine that. Watching them. And in my prayer life, praying for them and thinking about that, I thought, how is it possible that these two people, I can imagine better people to start the journey of parenting. They're not having it. And you gave me to my parents who, no, bless them, I mean that. Man, they dropped the ball on so many fronts. Holy. You know, abuse, neglect. I mean, I left when I was very young. I was they got me. These wonderful people don't get these kids and they're just breaking, their hearts are breaking. And we all got to watch that. They're experiencing it. That's hard. That's, that's double tough. And we live in a modern age, right? In a modern age where, I guess, we sort of say, you know, the identity of a woman is wrapped up in, in having children, right? Independent women have a career, have a job. But even today, I think when you, when you can't have children, it's, it's a hurt. I'm not trying to dig up wounds here, but I want to be honest. It hurts. And then, so we see the story of Sarah, and this is like a long time ago, at this time, Arguably, more than today, at least in our culture, having children is everything. That's what makes you a woman. And Sarah was promised by God, hey, here, you're going to have a family, a large family, and it's not happening. The time of childbearing has long passed, and she's sort of sitting in the ashes of what was supposed to be a blessed life. I think um, you spend enough time on this earth, you're gonna, you also sit in the ashes. All of us. And if you're that one person who hasn't gone through suffering, I don't know, go on social media right now. This sermon's probably not for you. But for the rest of us who have experienced hurt, you know what I'm talking about. I wonder if you've gone through this experience. I think you have. I know I have. When you're holding your heart in the middle of something really painful, and then someone comes to you, family, maybe friend, and they try to uh, try to give you some good advice, try to cheer you up, and then they say, inevitably, they probably say the wrong thing, the thing that makes it worse. I just cheer up, it'll be all right. My dad just died. Ah, it's going to be all easy in heaven. You're good. And we don't know how to respond. You kind of just have to laugh because if you don't laugh, you're going to strangle somebody or you're just going to break down in the river of tears, right? You know that you know that feeling? When you think back and the pain you've gone through, you just got to, oh my goodness, yeah, that's my life. You kind of laugh a little bit. And I'm thinking, there's Sarah, older woman, way past childbearing years. And here are these three travelers and they come by and they say, hey, just so you know, in a year from now, you're going to have a baby. From a human standpoint, I can't imagine. The, that's probably the worst thing you could say to someone in that situation. Hey, you're, you're going to have a kid. Dude, I'm 90. 
What are you, what are you talking? Ah, giggle, you gotta laugh. All right? You laugh or get the booking knife, one of those two, so you, you laugh. You gotta let off the, the pressure. And I wanna tell you, the first thing I guess I wanna share with you is that if that's how you felt sometimes, first of all, that's extremely understandable, right? When you, when you hear what you, something that really uh, maybe hurts you, upsets you, seems to make your situation light when it's not, I think it's completely normal to be like, to laugh, to get really frustrated, to cry, to have all those feelings, right? I, I, I see Sarah, I'm like, yeah, okay. And yet the story doesn't end with her in that moment. It actually gets really awkward for a second because one of the travelers says to Sarah, hey, why are you laughing? <laughs> why, why are you laughing? That's not, that's not the way, that's not it. And that's really weird. Because it should be, a, a, she should feel odd about that interaction. And then she gets a little defensive. The uh, I mean, she fits, right? Well, I didn't laugh. And then the traveler says, no, yes, you did. You did laugh. And that's a, that's a, that's a little moment of tension. But you see, these travelers aren't speaking just random nonsense. A promise given by God to Abraham and Sarah is now being confirmed. You see, human promises, the best human promises, can have and will fail. Right? I marry couples all the time, but divorce rates went up and up. Right? Even the most faithful friend, the moment you need them, they've been there the whole time. The moment you're real in the pain, that faithful friend could turn around and shit right in your side or just not be there, right? As humans, our love is limited and our promises fallible. And the child not does, and just being honest at the moment. But when it comes to the promises of God, it's a very different thing. And so before we can go out there and share the message of Jesus and be Jesus to other people, we have to reckon with our hearts as receiving, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Are we trusting that this, the Spirit of God is in us and that it's powerful and able? Equip us to love others, to share with our words the message of Jesus? Or do we rest in our ashes, rest in our discomfort, rest in our grump, and just giggle? At the gospel reading, as we giggle at the prayers we say in this church. Oh, that's nice to be polite on Sundays, but yeah, I don't really buy that. <laughs> Life, that's not the real world. The real world is da da da, whatever you're, whatever you're going to, right? We can do that. Jesus is a polite thing on the Sundays, but yeah, it's a long time ago. Those documents can't be trusted. <laughs> who really gets back in the grave and killed? Like, who does that? Right? And you sort of, As we hold our hearts, and as Jesus is holding our hearts, I think he's also asking us, each one of us, right now, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing at my promise that I'm with you? Why 
do you take so lightly? That I've given you my spirit and the love that I've given you is powerful enough to heal your heart and in fact heal this world. Right? Because that's the whole point. If Jesus in the end was just some other teacher, some other sage, and a long line of human sages that give awesome advice, and then they kill them, the home doesn't kill them. If he just stayed dead, I mean, yeah, I guess you could use his word as some kind of teaching, but it doesn't change anything. Right? Not really. Because the main thing that we all struggle with hasn't been solved, namely, death. The whole history of theology and human philosophy is reckoning with that reality. No matter how much we love each other, no matter how much we love this world and we enjoy it, death comes for us. 100% killer. No one, no one makes it. The promise is, here's the promise, that in, this, in, the, in the story of human suffering, we haven't been left alone. God has seen us in our brokenness. God has come to us in the person of Jesus. God has lived our life. He completely understands what we're going through. He's been tempted in all things. He suffered all things. And then in a way that I can't fully explain right now, he takes all that brokenness into his body. And as he was being murdered by the Roman government, he killed our human suffering. He killed our evil. He killed our selfishness. He killed everything that alienates us from God and each other. And to prove that his death on that cross, killing our suffering, was effective when they buried him three days later, back from the dead. Death couldn't hold him. He's the first human in all history who died and came back and said, I'm here. <clears throat> my love cannot be stopped. And if you trust me, my life, my love, my very power, my hope is now in you. Your life is woven into the fabric of my life, and death doesn't hold you. And you're a new person. You can go out there and share my message. You can be kind and loving and gentle and patient beyond your normal human capabilities. And then we have a church here, and Pentecost comes, and we celebrate the Holy Spirit, and then day to day, um, I'm telling you what I do, I do. <laughs> can I really do this? I don't know. Sunday, call on Sundays, all right? I think we all do. I'm trying to be hard, just trying to be honest. What's cool about the story with Sarah is that um, it's a longer reading, but I wanted to include the, the, the second part because she, well, you know the story, right? She has it. Isaac which means laughter. <laughs> 90-something old woman with a baby. Completely understandable, her giggling, but she gets the promise. You see what the promise of God is fulfilled? What God said would happen, happens. She has a child. And when we see that, I don't think we're meant to sort of sit there and be like, oh, great, conclusion and narrative. That's nice. What a happy ending. I don't think that's what we're meant to do. Because that moment where God promised something and then it happened, do you see what happened? The impossible happened. Who in the right mind could ever promise, for example, a woman in her eyes, hey, in a year from now you can have a kid? No one, no human could promise that. But God made an impossible promise and then it happened. 
And we're meant to see that, whoa, God is a God of the impossible. When we reach the limits of what we can do, that's when God steps in. Okay, you've taken that. Cute. I'm going to take the ball from you. Our human limits to bring lasting peace, to get rid of ourselves of selfishness, which underwrites our economic systems, which holds our world in the stasis of suffering. Jesus comes to our world and says, you see the limits of what you can do? Now I step into the world. And I do it in a way that you can never imagine. I'm born in humility in some podunk town in Palestine. And I live. And I love God as God should be loved. And I love you all, all humans, as they should be loved. And guess what you did, Lord? You killed me. And that was so. Because God is not defined by our limits. God is the infinite creator. Who is love itself. Enemies. And all we're meant to do as his creations is trust in that God. And that is a daily practice. Because every day you've got to bring your own hearts. You wake up with your memories, I do with mine. For the suffering on a Father's Day, thinking of my dad and his abuse, I have to think about those things. They don't go away. And if you've had suffering, whatever you have, you have memories too. And every day you have to, as you're a follower of Jesus, you hold your life in your hands and you say, God, you are good. God, in the, in the darkest moments of my life, and I thought you weren't there, you were. I just didn't have eyes to see. But now I can see. Hopefully you can say that. That's what I'm saying. Now I see that you are there. And now I see your love transforming this world. Now I see as overwhelming as human greed and suffering is in this world, <coughs> your love is greater than our ability to hurt each other. And I trust in you. Help me to be a person that shares your love and your hope in this world. And when I giggle and laugh, have mercy on me. Sometimes I, you know, I'm a priest. I'm not, I'm not a saint. I, I get nervous about it. And you do too. To wrap up, I want to tell you, I'm not sure where you are in your spiritual journey right now. For some of you, you're the Sarah that laughs. You have a promise from God or something. There's a desire in your heart that you haven't gotten yet. And the journey is hard and it's dry right now. So I want to tell you, not my words, but just the words of the Lord. Whatever good and is wholesome that God wants for your life, nothing in this world can stop you. You can depend on that. God is trustworthy and true. God has done the hardest thing that could ever be done for a person. He died for you on the cross. He took your sin in his body. He's done the hardest thing. That means that anything after that, he will do for you. If it's for your benefit, for you to grow in love, hope, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit, he's going to do for you. You can trust in that. So don't pray and you giggle, ask God's mercy one step at a time, right? But for some, for most of us, I think, well, not most, but some of us, let's say some, we got the baby. We got what we were wanting for. But maybe it's complicated because it's not exactly how we want it. Because Sarah wanted a child. But I'll be honest with you, I'm pretty sure she never thought that she wanted to be a 90-year-old mom running with other 20-year-old moms. You're 90, you're going to be one with 20-year-olds chasing a toddler? I'm kind of young. I, I get tired of my kids. It wasn't the way she probably wanted it. Right? It doesn't come exactly as we want. 
but it comes exactly as we need. We have to trust that God is doing that. So maybe that's you. Maybe there's something you've received in your life and you're like, well, it's not the way I wanted, but it's actually God's perfect gift for me. And what you have to do, like Sarah did, but she doesn't complain, even though she could have. She doesn't do that. She rejoices in the gift of God. She says, thank you. And she accepted as given, trusting in the Lord. She's learned to trust. God, it doesn't look exactly how I would have made it, but now I trust in you. You have control of the whole universe in my life and given my life to you. This is how you want to give it to me? I'm taking it. Thank you. Let this be a blessing to those all around me. I trust you. Right? And as we do that, as we give our hearts to the Lord and trust, no matter what life looks like, then we're shaped in the kind of people that can be used by God to go out those doors and with uh, credibility uh, and, and with, with kindness and winsome manner, share the love of Jesus. And if you can tell us others. Because that's what we're called to do. Even when it's hard, it's just outlines. That's the mission of the church, my friends. So, Twain, my prayer for you is, and for me, is that if there's anything in our lives that's under, undermining us trusting Jesus, that God will do it. We may give our hearts to Him, trusting every day with our hurts, with our sorrows, hopefully with our joys, as wonderful gifts from Him, not only for our great good, but for God's very glory. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, on this Sunday, as we uh, reflect on our lives, we reflect. Uh, some of the victories and likely many defeats. Uh, we think about the complicated and challenging nature of following you, trusting you in the midst of our hurt. God, as a church, we want to say thank you that you're always with us. Thank you that when we felt alone, now we affirm through faith that we haven't been alone. That you're always there. God, I pray that your, your holy presence, your love, your your faithfulness might shape our lives, shape our hearts, that we might say thank you for the good things that you've given us and maybe we're not recognizing. Maybe we're saying they're like a, a coincidence of some kind that we stop saying that, that we thank you for what's good in our lives. And we can thank you for the heart because you're here and you're shaping us into the image of your son. Help us, we pray, on this journey. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.